Where is Ben? Cheeky monkey.、Uh, he should be on his way. Now, of course, I am joined by Crystal, Crystal McGilvery. Thank you very much. She, she was with us、uh, in the past discussing other money type things.、Uh, and given that last week we were talking about proposal writing and how proposals,、uh, unlike well, how I used to perceive them as a way to actually get someone to convince someone to work with you, they were actually a way, the way I like to look at them now, they're just a way to confirm. All the conversations that we've already had with the client so that they know exactly what they're getting into. They probably said yes already. They're already in there. They just want to have it all down on a dotted line、um, or in black and white. And one of the things in terms of those conversations we need to do is to talk about money. Because, you know, if we're going to price well, we need to know exactly、um, how much money people are prepared to pay and, and what they think is of value. But without talking about money as such, How can we get to the figure that is going to work for them and us in a proposal?、Uh, and given that we need to talk about money, and given that a lot of us find it quite challenging to talk about money, we thought we'd talk about talking about money. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if that isn't meta, what is?、Uh, and, and to help, we invited Crystal to join us in talking about, talking about money because she was talking about money at summer camp. Um, last month, and also we love talking to her before, so we thought we'd get her on、um, to, to break it up、uh, and share her own wisdom.、Um, and I, I felt there was an energy for you to talk about talking about money.、Um, for, for people who are, who are not aware of your work and are not familiar with you,、uh, do you want to give us a, a brief introduction, Crystal? Yes, sure thing.、Uh, so, my thing is money and psychology in a nutshell. I do two things I help improve. Financial decision making. So,、um, starting working with corporates and financial well being. I'm also a trusted accountant, hence the business side. And I mainly work with founders and helping them get confident about money、um, and get organized as well. Financial well being. I feel there's some people in government who may need to talk to you.、Uh, Possibly. <laughs> but Possibly. we don't. We, we won't go down politics or religion. No.、Uh, not quite yet. No.、Um, Well, my curiosity is really about、um, just exploring the challenges around talking about money and seeing if we can get to a place that will help people feel,、uh, I was going to say more comfortable. Comfortable is the wrong word. More competent? Competent, even competence in 30 minutes. If you can promise that, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, struggling to talk about money is with you. To me, it starts with self worth. And your belief about what you deserve. And then also understanding the client and their needs and why they're even talking to you. And there's maybe a disconnect there as to why、ah, can I say this much?、Um, and where that gets a bit broken. I think that's where I'd kind of start. You know, one of the things we sort of talk about often, you know, whilst obviously people are, are in the context of their work, can't sort of separate who they are. Uh, and the stories they may have or the ideas they may have.、Uh, I'm sure that is the thing which kind of comes to bear when we're thinking about all of these things or having any of these conversations or thinking about having these conversations. All the stuff of our lives. So, one, on one hand, the word shame is coming up. Shame in terms of there's a, there's a personal perspective around money that might be coming up. And so, feeling ashamed to ask for too much. 
or feeling ashamed even to talk about money because money's something, there's a judgment. Uh, and then there's something around how much money should I be making? So this idea of a comparison of like, I need to be earning a certain amount of money in order to be of a certain value or status in life. And so how much I'm bringing that to a conversation of, okay, if I charge this much, I'm only this type of value and I need to be charging. Or anyone who charges more is more important or more valuable than I am. And so there's uh, that starts to come into the mix. So I'm in a conversation with a client. How do we even start other than saying, how much do you want to pay? <laughs> what other ways can we talk about money or, yeah, how, how, how generally how can we just approach the conversation around money maybe? Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me first is, I think you guys touched on this last time, to be able to separate the personal, you know, how I feel about it and how much do I deserve from the client's needs and why are they seeking this work from you? So understanding what it is for them, the value it brings to their organization, whoever it's for, and understanding that really fundamentally, because that would link perfectly with how much you could charge. So I think, especially if you're new to quoting the corporates, it's, well, how long is a piece of string? I, I don't know what to say in terms of a number. Is it 1,000? Is it 10,000, 20,000? But if you can try to unpick well, what is this doing for them? And then do some research. So I think to start maybe around understanding the value of things to time. So then when you're talking around the subject, you've got more context for the price. What What is it that people need to do in order for that to happen? If the start point is a place where I'm kind of confident enough to start to kind of park some of those stories that I might have, where is it that we might best start to give ourselves that best chance, if that makes sense? That to me is almost a direct business question mm. because if you're thinking about like the reason for a business is to serve a need and solve a problem so if you think about what you're offering and I think this is hard I've got several clients who are it's just them in the business right so they're the business so it's it can be really difficult to separate what you're delivering for the client to serve a need from you mm. <laughs> and how much you're charging for you that can be quite uncomfortable. But I think looking at it as a as a business case and not a emotional, personal, my life story case, it's okay. Or maybe even imagine it's somebody else, you know, solving a business problem and looking at the the dynamics there. Okay, what do they need? Research the company, maybe the, the financials of the company or research similar businesses or, you know, to understand what that space looks like. So it's almost doing some groundwork, which mm. is more based in fact, to get that information to create, okay, this is where we are. Okay, the numbers might look scary, but okay, this is what it is. Mm. What I'm, I'm sensing here is approaching these conversations with a level of unattachment, not necessarily detachment, as in times you don't care, but you're not weighed down by the comments or the responses or the reactions that you get. Because on one hand, I agree, there's a, there's a, it's separating us from the numbers. So whether that's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or just tens, those are just numbers that uh, are being used. And it doesn't necessarily, uh, or it shouldn't, I'm going to use that word advisedly, uh, impact how you have the conversation. So if it's a hundred thousand going, oh my God, am I really worth that? Or if it's only a 10 quiz, like, oh my God. That's what you think I'm worth? Mm. Because that's just uh, 
an arbitrary number as such. And, and this is the curious thing I was that came up, sometimes people want, and we've talked about this in the pricing course, people just want to work with us. There's like, you know, you're talking about, oh, it's just me and the business, but it's actually, I, I, I need to work with Crystal. Mm. It doesn't care, you know, that's what I'm paying for is to work with you. And then how that starts to make this kind of conversation around money and making it unattached or detached, one of that term, a bit more interesting or difficult. So uh, what I'm getting at is like, we might not have any answers in the next 15 <laughs> minutes, but I hope we could open up or make people aware of what might be going on as mm. we're trying to find have these conversations about the numbers. I see a, Francis has a comment in the chat. Is she touching on the point of the service is almost bespoke and very unique to you? So she says, um, if your business is only possible because of people's custom, is it appropriate to speak to that? So um, it might be useful to elaborate on that if you can, Francis. Um, you were talking just now about bespoke. Is that right, Crystal? And what was going through your mind there was something that's very specific to the customer or something that's that, that can't be – it isn't off a shopping list. It's much more yeah. tailored. Yeah, I think that's what I thought she meant. She said no, okay, <laughs> it's going to be more – yeah, so I think – Back to my earlier comment about, you know, shopping around, having a look and see what, you know, what other people are doing. If you're completely, you know, have no idea where to go with the pricing as a starting. But if the service you're offering is so unique that you're struggling, at it, and I, I don't know if you guys touched on this last time, but even looking at what is it you're doing this business for? What are you trying to achieve? What, what is this funding? What kind of life are you, what are you trying to create? You know, are you trying to create? A six-figure business, a, something bigger, something smaller, and working out that way might guide how much you charge for one client given the amount of time it's going to take as mm. another approach. What sprang to mind, actually, was to rephrase a question or rephrase the title of this uh, session. So we talked about how to have, well, well I, the way I titled it, how to have mature money conversations. So maybe what we can start off is a, what is an immature money conversation? Um, an immature money conversation, in a way, to me, feels like uh, a conversation where I'm not really connected to kind of what's going on for me. So one that doesn't feel kind of very kind of grounded, doesn't feel sort of rooted in a kind of belief and understanding some clarity, one that I'm kind of bouncing around and just I kind of, maybe one where I'm being very emotionally triggered. That's maybe what's coming up a little bit in terms of what would be a kind of immature way to have a money conversation, one which is sort of rooted, an expression of just kind of, you know, an unfolding sequence of emotional triggers where I'm kind of bouncing around and maybe avoiding the things which are sort of important for me to say or important to be said. I like that. And that, that makes me think of, act, and I'm sure you have the same, actual cases where people are terrified about quoting for a client. So everything they're doing is out of fear mm. so not well thought of just quickly responding saying a number that you think but definitely accept this which nice. you know as we know doesn't end up very well but yeah essentially where we avoid essentially an immature conversation around money is probably where we don't really talk about money because of all of those things so we, we're dancing around it mm. rather than kind of wading into it or gliding into it well the energy i'm Get, you know, thinking about or is coming to me is like uh, kind of like a 
uh, an angry child. I want chocolate. I want chocolate now. Give me chocolate. I said, no, no, you're not allowed to have chocolate. No, I want chocolate. Or I don't want broccoli. I, I don't want broccoli. Don't give, you know, so, so I'm not even in a space to have a dialogue. I'm immediately either demanding or refusing. That's nice. As opposed to say, saying, all right, what, what does mummy or daddy actually want me to do? And why? Or what is right to do and why? What, yeah, exactly. What is right to do and why? And so there's a, I've got a very myopic and very blinkered view as to what, it's, what I need. So I need chocolate now. I need you to pay this amount of money now. Or I need you to agree to this. And if you don't, I'm going to have a tantrum. As opposed to what I'm hearing there is something else. It's interesting. And this is why I think when we started talking, I was like, where are we focused in this? Because going back to what you're saying, that is rooted in somebody who is uncomfortable with money. So before we even start quoting, if you're afraid and, you know, maybe you've got scarcity mindset and, you know, oh my God, I've got a client. Ah, and if you don't feel, see money as, as flowing, as energy that is going to come to you if you allow it, then you are in this restrictive um, space to then communicate to corporates or anybody mm. potentially in that way. In its way, like we said, it all kind of links back to at the the end of the day or the beginning of the day, depending on how it's <laughs> being framed, is that actually there is a person there. And it's that person is in a business, that person is not in the business. Does that person, is that person scared? Is that person fearful? Does that person kind of believe this idea that money is energy and that it flows in, it flows out? And can I be comfortable with all of that? And in a way, it kind of feels like all of the, that's the thing, actually, which is behind all of this, you know, whether I can be empathetic or not, or whatever it might be, it all comes down to that and the the feeling that I have around it, you know, in my heart, underlying it all. And in, in a sense, it's the question of whether, you know, how we sort of separate any of these things out. And I think, um, Colin, you said this at the beginning, potentially that people are buying you a lot of the time. So if you are bringing that energy to the conversation, it's not going to go well. But if you're more at peace, more comfortable, more confident, there's more room for you to connect. And that stronger, richer connection leads to the sale, surely. Because, you know, the person who's going to sign it off and say, yes, and go, oh, it's 20 grand more than we thought. But yeah. And you can, you'd be able to shine more in those conversations and get across the value and all of that in a really comfortable space. So then the talk of the money is almost a side note. It, it's not the majority of, you know, pre-work. So there's, I think, the, touching on this, what I, feel, what I feel we're at is like having this dialogue, being open to dialogue, being open to, to hearing what the other person is saying. I'm connecting it to the, the kind of the child analogy. I think when young, young, very young children are basically the world, there's nothing exists apart from them, their feelings, their sensations, not, you know, and so they're very caught in their own world. And if anything goes against what they want, then then they react in a certain. And then when we mature, when we realise there are other people with other perspectives and other ideas, we're able to then work a bit better with others. Um, and so there's it feels like this idea of a mature conversation is understanding there are different perspectives uh, and energies around money. So which what Ben was saying is like if you meet someone who doesn't feel like money flows through their lives, being aware of that. So that you can 
reach them in the right way so they're not intimidated or they're not uh, feel alienated by the way you talk about money while at the same time you need to be able to have these conversations that could be quite triggering for people and to do that in a way that gets you to a point of clarity so in the end it's like how do we get to a point of clarity about the boundaries the upper boundaries and the lower boundaries of what people are, feel comfortable to pay because it's, that's also as much about how we get to the upper and lower levels of what we're comfortable talking about. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, it might be that what we're saying sort of triggers or doesn't trigger something in somebody else. But oftentimes it's also what we're, com- you know, what, what are the levels are we comfortable talking about? And to what extent do we kind of believe in the value of what we're sort of talking about, which creates a space or doesn't create a space, you know, for somebody to feel comfortable to step in with with you, so to speak. And what came to mind there is like, if your upper boundary, as as the person who's selling your service, is here, but your customer's upper boundary is there, mm. then you're missing out on all of this potential value that you can share it. And there is also dissonance there and sort of potential confusion and things that the other then may see as a kind of insecurity, as a doubt in all the other stuff we talk about, whether you are making it easy to buy or not. Actually, if there is that disparity there, whatever it is, whether it's five pounds, 50, 50,000, five million, whatever the actual number is, you know, this thing around the the kind of your, your prospect, the people you're speaking to, wanting signals of reassurance, wanting to be kind of feel confident, wanting to be reminded that it is going to do the thing that they want it to do for them. There is a chance that actually if you are, you know, it's not just a case of leaving some money on the table, you may actually inadvertently be sending a signal of sort of slight doubt to them, which of course is going to work against you too. And, and just also on that as well, and I, I thought this was going to say just now, but you're also signaling low value, mm. potentially. You know, people have an idea of how much something would cost and that they paid for it and that's the level that they associate with the value of that thing. So if you're coming in way under, they may think, well, we don't expect a good service from you then. And that mm. also might, even if they say yes, that might even set the tone for the way they view you and your work. So even if it is shiny and polished, they've got a framing that actually, because it's so cheap, it's not shiny and polished. So what's what's springing to mind for me is like before we said, all right, if your boundary, your upper limit is here and their upper limit is there, first, you need to try and work out what that limit is. So there's a conversation you need to have. And then your own beliefs around money and your own value if it anchors you lower than that, then you're in, in, in a bit of trouble. So for me, there's like an, I'm going to use the word enlightened approach to this where you have no boundaries, essentially. And the only boundaries are set by how much the customer is willing to pay or not pay. Because I feel like if you can come to that conversation really open to just what is of value to them and what is too much for them, then it's up to you to choose, not based on your your biases or or your fears, but more on what do I want to be paid for right now? Or how much do I want to be paid right now? What this is making me think of is, it sounds great and I like that, but where I'm struggling is if you're going back to the business case, right? Ideally, with your business, you have a client type in mind and you know how much they're willing to pay and they're in line with your business model and you know how much you want to earn. So it's a client who is willing to pay 50k or it's a client who's willing to pay 2,000 pounds, whatever your service is. So surely you'll be talking to clients that are in that price bracket anyway. So what you explained sounds amazing, having the no boundaries. But I think where my brain, and I haven't, 
I don't have an answer. You, you would ideally have an idea of where your client should, you want them to sit. I love that. And that's, what <laughs> I think for me, I think this is for me, the broader context of this is like, I get to choose which customers I want to work with. Now, if I'm going to sell premium t-shirts, I'm going to change, charge 100 quid for the t-shirts and I'm going to sell them to people who want to pay 100 quid for a t-shirt. And those are the people who would never buy a, quid, a t-shirt for 10 quid. But it's it's my choice to work there. Not, oh my God, I, I'm not allowed to sell t-shirts for 100 quid because it's unethical. It's that actually there are people out there who want to pay that much money. What I do with that money afterwards, my decision. If I want to hoard it and keep it, then that's a judgment on me if I want to make a judgment or I want to give it away, whatever I want to do with it. But I'm not the barrier. I'm not the limit, let's say put it that way, of how much money I can earn. It's, it's like you said, it's the customer who becomes the limit. If there's no one who's going to pay X amount of money for what I do, then I have to accept that. Either I'm talking to the wrong people or what I do is totally unwanted as opposed to, oh my God, why aren't you paying this much money for this? Or what does it say about me? I was just going to kind of give a real example that I've seen some of my clients off the back of that because what I articulated is a nice, clean, tidy, polished business plan. Hey, I'm going to go about and start doing this. But sometimes when we start working, we start picking up bigger clients who want bigger things, which you can deliver, but maybe you haven't. And it's like, well, how do I do that? And it's such a big company. So, ah, I don't want to undersell myself. You know, then how do you do that? Because then then it is a, I didn't even know that that marker was available, you know, for me, which is, you know, you go back to the, the drawing board and what what is the opportunity here? What are they looking for? The stuff we spoke about right at the beginning, I think. Well, it reminds me, Ben, like on the course, we talk about, you know, how, how could you charge 10 times more than you are at the moment? And we get people to reflect on, well, do you remember the time when you were charging 10 times less than what you are now? Yeah, because everybody's, well, oftentimes, most people have gone through a shift like that. Uh, there would have been a point where, you know, a version of that is is kind of true. And the thing that obviously people always sort of start with when you first ask the question is that they would somehow just be selling more stuff, 10 times more stuff than I am today. But of course, that's not actually the thing that happens. And that all, you know, for sure, wasn't the thing that happened. You know, if you think about the oftentimes the first person that you work with when you were doing a version of the work that you're doing now, you know, you did, you know, you charged X, but actually you find that, you know, with that, the kind of journey having kind of gone on, you, you know, you are charging 10 times more already from what you were, not by doing more, but because there's a whole load of other things at play, which, you know, in very considerable part is about, a, how kind of confident you are, but also because you're then probably connecting with people who have who for whom the price of the problem uh, is is that much greater, uh, and so it's the same thing, but the cost to fix it um, is greater for the person that you're you're then speaking to. So what I feel we're we're getting to is there's this uh, a more kind of I want to say tactical approach of you know, who's your customer, how do you define value, what does that mean in terms of the amount of money you can earn. But how are limitations in our ability to talk about money of different amounts can maybe stop us from accessing different types of clients? Mm -hmm. And so this mature aspect, the mature money conversation, I don't think it's a switch necessarily then that we can switch. Oh, we're going to have mature money conversations from now on. It's like the more we talk, we just have to keep on talking about money mm. somehow. 
and and over that time we will become more mature mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. approach and just to add in there when you say talk about money more be brave to have uncomfortable conversations not necessarily with the client directly but yes that's the thing but just having those money conversations that's allowing your mind to see a different type of money you know really lazy with my words but bigger numbers <laughs> yeah. you know for you allowing those conversations to exist so you can become comfortable in them so then you can start charging them and it's like yeah i charge that and i, I also want to offer is for people who say oh how do i do that i think it needs to be playful at some point to some level and because of that it can't be when you're in a, an existential part time in your business mm. if you are so desperate for money it's going to be hard to be bold and to be playful and so in a sense for, for anyone who's like at that stage you're like okay i'm earning okay about what i need to survive but i wish i could earn a bit more i think then is an opportunity to have more conversations with people that you might not end up working with but you can play with the conversations around money with and it's trying to throw out there some opportunities you know some possibilities for people to start playing working with this with these money conversations so that they can start learning for themselves how it feels and what it is but without the fear necessarily of oh my god what does this mean if i can put paying the mortgage and the rent i think that also will expose you to those spaces and see that it's it's possible and it's not that far away and oh that could be for me so easily you know it's it's seeing that if you're in this where you are now is what you're used to what you're familiar with what you're bounded by you know that's that's your reality but exposing yourself to the next level will start the process of making that comfortable for you and um i think the other element of this there's doing it so being in a place where you can do it so you're not dependent on this conversation to 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 pay the mortgage approaching it with a playful uh, nature so tr- because you're trying to um experience what it might be but also i think here there's noticing how you feel mm when you have certain responses and trying to use that as a guiding mechanism for just understanding your own limits and boundaries and and biases and lim- and you know sort of blockages around this conversation because we that's what we want people to help or we would love for people to remove being able to remove those blockages and i see there's a couple of questions from n whoever n may be apologies for just not know- for not knowing your name so I'll start with the the first question they posted. How do you handle massive differences in pricing and competitor attitudes? For example, having to explain your price, which is higher than a competitor, or for example, when you have a coach that is overconfident with their solutions and results and promises the earth, or do you just ignore and stick to your own philosophy? So there's something around them comparing you against other people with totally different prices. And and it sounds like, and also totally different promises, not only that. I mean, this sort of links a little bit, well, a lot, a lot of it to the what what you're selling. Because if what we're selling is thought of as a commodity, uh, then of course, we we are inviting the client or the prospect. Well, two things. If what we're doing is thought of and understood as a commodity, then it is it is very easy to compare. Uh, because you know commodities by their sort of nature are easy to compare so 
the the what we're selling is important and part of that one of the things which sort of lends differentiation might be how we work so it might be that people say no but there's a million you know if coaching is the example oh there's a you know there's a thousand coaches out there and so you know you coach are the same as you coach then the onus the responsibility is on the coach to explain how how they work is different so that you are you are kind of baking in some differentiation into the how you do what you do because if you are understood to be the same as everybody else then there is you know the truth is there is very little value to what you're doing so the onus is on you the supplier you the creator you the maker to understand how what you're doing is different and that might be in how you do it it might be in the promises that you make it might be in the change that you are offering to the people who you want to you want to work with but yeah the, the onus is on is on you to think about where you know how it is different and where it is different because value is in those differences if something is understood to be the same as everything else you know we all know from our own buying experience then the value of that to us is much less if something fe- is it feels like a different thing then the value of it is greater then there is the responsibility to see how we can make the make the connections there is a, a sort of second thing which is a sort of smaller point in comparison to that which is this thing around choice the other thing that happens is when somebody asks us for a proposal a quote or whatever it might be oftentimes we do just give them a number and we tell them what it will cost when we're doing that we're actually leaving the client or the prospect no alternative but to go compare us to somebody else so one of the things we'll see we talk about on the course and it's true generally with all this is the importance of having choice in the conversation because if you have choice in the conversation you can work with me like this or like this or like this whatever it might be you are offering choice you're you're kind of working to control the comparisons a little bit because your client your prospect does want to want some choice so if you're not giving them choice then you're actually forcing them to go compare you to somebody else and so that is a, a kind of sort of smaller part of that other response just picking up on the second point i like my my original thought was they don't understand what's unique about you. They don't understand what you are bringing that, you know, that's special about you. And your second point about giving them choice allows you to tailor what you're offering to be perfect for them. So then it's almost impossible for them to see any other option outside of working with you. So then they can't compare at all. Thanks, Crystal. Um, ben has to jump off. He's uh, we've we've limit we've come to the limit for our timeshare of Ben. So um, <laughs> we'll close off in a sec. But catch you later, Ben. Thank you very much for thank you, uh, thank yeah, you, Crystal, thank you, Carlos, thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Um, I think the other aspect around this, and Ben captured the whole comparison and what they're comparing you to. Um, you talked about the Nina was asking, and it is Nina who's asking this question. She was asking about do you just stick to your own philosophy? Trust and safety are um, two things that spring to mind because even if someone's doing something like she talked about a coach who's overconfident with their solutions and results and promises the earth, do they trust them? And how do you have a conversation? And Anina, I'll point you to a, a episode 10 of this series where we had John Osborne talking about having powerful conversations. How do you guide these people through a conversation that helps them understand that you are trustworthy um, and that you are a safe bet. Because if that's a value to the person, even if you're more expensive, then they'll choose you. And even if you don't offer as much as someone else, they still may choose you (laughs) because 
there's something about the clarity that or the uh yeah the safety let's put it that way knowing that you know un- really understand where they're at where they're going to get to and you are offering something that is exactly what they need as opposed to everything because it sounds like a cheap deal um and then that whole thing around what ben said about a commodity i think yeah when when you are when you're when we're all selling the same thing it's going to there are going to people be out there who will be out there just based who's going to make decisions based on price uh, and that's unfortunately something we can't always control. I was listening to your point about trust and safety and trying to see if there's anything in that. And I, just going back to, I guess, creating the space and having that relationship with the buyer, you know, in that process of you understanding what their needs are and tailoring your solution to, to perfectly fit in all the, the corners along that journey, you'll be building trust, you yeah. know, and, and giving them, the space to allow their needs to really shine bright and you're really accommodating and understanding that's going to build trust and you replying to them on time and all of that good stuff uh, all the nuances to set you apart and make you stand out as someone actually i would really like you want to work with you so what, what kind of what was in my mind and i say that first because kind of not worrying about the other person's saying all this amazing stuff it's like okay if they're going to go with that person maybe actually they can deliver all this maybe it's completely legit and they have built the trust and all that's great then so be it but i think the focus is on you doing your part to really connect really build that strong relationship you know i really encourage you nina to check out episode 10 with john osborne i think it's around it's around these conversations that we can have that that help each of you your client and yourself discover this that you're the right match uh tom also mentions competence as well as trust and safety and uh, i would i to a certain level i would group competence within the trust bit i trust that you're going to deliver mm. on the thing that you say you're going to do you have the skills but yes you're right tom you know we need to also have the knowledge and experience and and the processes in order to create the the outcome not just look like a nice person you can trust <laughs> um finally uh there's another question from nina she's heard a theory that if you sell clients a solution that they want they will find the money to pay for it what are your thoughts on that? That makes complete sense. I mean, alongside what we're talking about, about, you know, the relationship, the people, if you've hit the nail on the head and this is what they're looking for, as long as they can find the funds, it's within the budget, you know, they can access it within the company. Yeah. For me, the I think there's something here that's connected to this idea of mature money conversations is not to let your perceptions and biases judge whether someone can afford you or not. Uh, and not to even assume just because they say one thing, that's the truth. And so there's a level of, there's an, well, again, back to the conversations. If you're able to understand where they're at, where they want to get to, how you can help them, that you're the best match. And you're confident about the numbers that you, you share uh, in terms of how much you price yourself. Even if they wince, even if they say, oh, but, you know, that isn't in my budget at the moment. To suddenly jump and say, oh, well, I can give you a discount, that might not help you because you're, again, making an assumption already about what they're capable of. And so there's a, there's here around the maturity of, like I think, giving space mm. for the person to really get used to or really understand is this really valuable to them. And one of the things I remember Ben saying on the course is, like, if they say that you're too expensive, even though it's exactly what you think they need, they still haven't understood the value in their eyes. 
they still haven't seen the possibility or they still and so it isn't about you suddenly discounting or saying oh no they can't work with me it's, it's an invitation for a further conversation as to what is it they don't see that you see very clearly i think the first point was about the assumptions that people tend to make about what others can afford and it's so easily done especially go back to the conversation that i jumped on last week or week before mm-hmm. about how people present you know and, and corporates i guess how they present and the kind of maybe they chuck some numbers about other work they've done or, or they've never done anything like this before so they don't expect to be you know whatever it may be they will potentially act as signals or uh, opposing signals to what you think they can afford but yes going back to as long as you're serving their need and you have presented yourself in a way that shows you are of that value I think that's important as well so not just the conversation itself but anything they come in contact with that is where they'd go to look to check in and what what else do you do who have you worked with as long as you're it's all in line with where you're pricing yourself then them being surprised about the price should be less likely and that's not negating those who have no idea and are completely like no I can't afford anything more than 50 quid yeah. sure they exist and and then you have the option to say no yeah, I was going to awesome. say this earlier. I was like, you don't have to work with everyone. Some are not going to work out. There are going to be some no's from you and them, you know? Yeah. And that's where I think is a really powerful place to be, where you are more often in control of the no's as opposed to everyone else or all of your customers. Awesome. Thank you very much, Crystal, um, for your time and your input and the energy. Um, any last thoughts before we close off? I think we mentioned earlier on about we didn't call it self-awareness uh I can't remember what we called but it's basically self-awareness oh that was it understanding or identifying being aware of how you feel when it comes to money I think that's something that people don't really do and that might be quite a new concept but just even your day-to-day just you know talk about certain numbers high numbers or just different numbers and checking with how you feel in those environments and that will be a signal that you know there's something you can work on I was going to echo you exactly in the same way, in the same vein, is that how do we have mature conversations around money or anything? It's knowing ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think part of maturity is this self-knowledge of what are the triggers, what are the fears, what are the biases, and not necessarily getting rid of them, but just being aware that they're there and they're present and so that they don't... So I train in martial arts and one of the tenets one of the rules of our system is assume nothing because i think the more that you can step into a space without those assumptions the more you'll be open to all sorts of possibilities rather than already seeing something as a foregone conclusion and so that's where i feel when you can have a mature conversation about money not having assumptions of where it's going to go and and approaching with curiosity as opposed to fear and inevitability Thank you very much, Crystal. Really enjoyed this. Thanks, um, thanks for having me. And thank you very much for everyone who's listening live. And, and thank you, Nina, for your, your really probing questions. It was a, definitely sparked some interesting thoughts. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.